Good morning. How are you doing today? All well? Great. Nice cool day. Isn't God good to us? Where would we be if he didn't break into our lives and change our lives and change the directions of our heart? Uh, we give him praise. So, Father, speak to us today. We ask that you administer your heart. We would know your heart for us, and your heart for this world. In Jesus' name, amen. My young son, I was telling the morning group that my young son was about five. I was trying to get him into the, the sea. Uh, he would just put his little toe in. He was very scared. And on this occasion, it was a lovely day, calm sea. He said, Dad, I'll, I'll go in with you. So I was delight, delighted. We were in Durban North, um, Schlunger Rocks, normally quite big breakers. It was calm, and the bathers were swimming far out. It was fairly shallow, but a little gully in, in between. We got out there. Uh, half had to hold him up and um, just bounce him over the, over the waves. We were in there for well over an hour. It was a hot day. So it was so, so wonderful. And then I realized the, the, the um, tide was coming in, and um, I was having to lift him higher and higher, and I was starting to get a little tired. And, um, and I said to him, I think, I think we'll, we'll go back. And he said, I think so too, Dad. So off we went, and um, when we got to the gully, I realized, good gully me, this is, this is, this is high. I couldn't, I couldn't touch, touch the ground, and the current just took us sideways. And I began to panic because I was holding him. I was a little tired after being in for an hour plus. And um, I called to some bathers for help, and uh, they just stared at me. And then we went further sideways and to some boogie borders, and they just looked at me. And I called to some... Then we were getting swept out to sea. And um, I called to some, uh, some surfers, and they just looked at us. And um, we were getting swept out to sea. And um, it's never been in my nature to call for help. Uh, those lifesavers, I mean, what, you know. Um, and, um, but Guy was taking in water, and he was spluttering, and um, I was trying to keep him, his head above water, and trying to, you know, one back, three, you know, one forward, three back. And I thought, no, I, ha I have to call. And so with my free hand, I very reluctantly <laughs> called, and they, they took us out in a hurry. If, if they didn't come for us, we wouldn't have made it. We would have drowned. That's, that's for sure. And you know uh, that many, many, many Christians across the globe are like those bathers, like those surfers um, who just looked at us and said, it's not, it's not my worry. <laughs> it's not my responsibility. You know, somebody else will do it. Um, there was a survey that was taken in America across many churches, evan uh, evangelical churches, and they discovered that many Christians had never shared their faith with anybody else. In fact, the vast majority of Christians across that survey uh, indicated that that was the case. Um, and as I was thinking about that, and as I was thinking about lifesavers, aren't, aren't you happy that lifesavers know what they're about? They know that their job, their responsibility, is to save lives. Right? If they were in doubt, we, 
we would never have got saved that, that day. And, um, and so we need to be fully persuaded. We need to be fully convinced that God has called us into this amazing ministry of rescuing people from their peril. Uh, and I'm not sure if we've caught the heart of God in that, in our lives, if we've been discipled in that capacity in our lives. You'll have to excuse some of the mistakes in our overhead. I don't know if it's going to be working, but um, uh, the person that I got wasn't to do this, wasn't in our, in our church, um, and I think had a bit of dyslexia. So if we can put the first one on, um, please forgive us for that. So we need to be persuaded. We need to be persuaded. Our Lord Jesus Christ was fully persuaded. And that's why he came to this planet, in order to save us. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He spent three years of his life, night and day, going to towns, villages, cities, and preaching, teaching, healing, um, performing miracles, in order that people would get saved. And he expected his disciples to do the same. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. In uh, John chapter 8 and verse 12, I am the light of the world. He is the supreme light of the world. There's no greater light. There's no greater illumination. There's no greater truth than Jesus. When he came to this world, we looked at him when we saw the Father and then he said to his disciples, you are the salt of the world. You are the light of the world. And there was a transfer in that. And so Jesus was saying uh, that the baton has been given over to us. It's in our hands. And we're to bring light to dark places wherever we are, whether that's in the in the marketplace or in our neighborhood, uh, wherever we work, we are the light of the world. And then we are told in the scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. If you're chosen to be an ambassador for your country, it's a huge privilege. And very few people are chosen throughout the world to be an ambassador. But every single born-again believer is chosen to be an ambassador for God. Without exception. It's a huge privilege. We serve the King of Kings. We are ambassadors for the Lord of glory, the Lord of lords, and the King of kings. We, we uh, represent the most glorious kingdom in all the world, we represent the most glorious cause in all the world. And if we're not excited about that, then we need a bomb to be put uh, under us. And we need God just to reshake us and reshape us again because we've been given so much. We've been given everything by a loving and a caring God. You are an ambassador your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is in the heavenlies. We sit in heavenly places now in Christ Jesus. We're heavenly citizens. And so we portray what is there. And we represent our majestic King. 
And uh, two, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9 said that we are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare his praises. That you may declare his praises. There are no secret agents in, in the kingdom of God. Right? No secret agents. There's a church in, in uh, Durban that was called the Invisible Church. Um, invisible people? Um, can I come to your church? But is it invisible? Where, where will we find this church? The church is not a building. The church is people. We are highly visible as ambassadors of God. We're highly visible when we bear light in, in dark places because we shine and we show up the dark places. Jesus said to his uh, disciples that were going to follow him, they were fishing, they were fishers of men. And Jesus said, you, uh, they were fishers of fish. And Jesus said to Matthew four nineteen, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of? Sally? Fishers of men. Fishers of people. What a responsibility, but what a privilege it is. I've been around a few uh, churches and a few pastors, and very often churches make, um, make uh, a claim that the church is not growing because of the pastor, uh, people are not coming to salvation on Sundays because of the, the, the pastor's responsibility. But if we are light, if we are ambassadors, if we are fishers of men, if we have heard the Great Commission, then if nothing's happening, then we need to take ownership. We need to take responsibility at, at, at that. And so we can never say, well, it's Matt's responsibility. He's the fisher of men. He's the light of the world. He's the ambassador. No, it's our responsibility. We're going very quiet here now. Hello, are you still there? It's our wonderful, wonderful responsibility. Story is told. Um, Nicky Gumbel tells the story of a young boy and the family who is battling with this young, young boy of 10, and they, they disciplined him in, in every which way, and the, the, they just didn't get anywhere with him. And... Um, in desperation, they went to the vicar. He was a very stern man, tall, severe-looking guy. Always wore his dog collar and black apparel. And they said, can't you talk some sense into, into this young lad? Please, we're desperate. And he said, yeah, yeah, bring him. And um, they made a time, and they were going to drop him off and come and fetch him again. And so this young boy uh, sat there, and he was in the seat, and um, he was looking up at the vicar. And the vicar got off his chair and he looked at the boy and he said, where is God? The young boy looked around and he was frightened. And he thought, whoa, what's happening? And then the vicar stood a little higher, taller, and he said, where is God? And the boy was really getting scared now. His eyes were wide. And the third time he stood and he says, where is God? God. With that, he wet his pants, ran out the vestry, ran through the church, ran all the way home, and his parents, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? You're supposed to be with a vicar. And his 
wide eyes, white face, and he said, they've lost God at the church and they're blaming me for it. <laughs> the church in many parts of the world has become irrelevant. Where we were in Switzerland, the church is irrelevant. It's a joke. It's as if they've lost God. And so the Christians really portray the story that, that God doesn't really exist. He's not really alive. It's wonderful to hear worship like we've heard today. It's wonderful to see people uh, joyful and triumphant in God, and trusting God, believing that he's alive, declaring that, that he is, is, is alive. We're here to declare his praises to a lost and a dying world. And so we need to be fully persuaded. If we're not, we'll not get off first base. Then we need to be passionate if we're going to be lifesavers. Jesus Christ is a great example. He left glory to come and to die for us. That's, that's passion. He didn't need to die, but he chose to die for us. And when Jesus was coming to the end of his ministry on earth, he was telling his disciples, I have to leave. And they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't accept it. I have to leave because I have to die and um, be resurrected. And uh, they were really upset because they wanted an earthly king. They wanted an earthly d uh, domain. They wanted, um, they wanted power to be transformed, transferred uh, to, to, the, to the Christians. And Jesus died and they were shattered. You know how Peter just denied Jesus and how they went back to their fishing nets. And Jesus showed himself after he was resurrected and they took some courage in that. They were still not too sure. And then Jesus revealed himself to so many people. And shortly before his ascension, he said to them, wait in Jerusalem and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. And they did that. And they were totally transformed. And the whole of Jerusalem had the impact of them being light to Jerusalem. So much so that the, the non-Christians said, they're turning the world upside down. The right side up, of course. And, uh, and they said, see how they love one another. They made an impact. And it wasn't too long b before um, a... Um, Persecution came their way and they fled. And Acts chapter 8 says this of them. They, were, they fled to um, Judea and Samaria. Acts 8 verse 4 says, Those who had been scattered preached the word of God wherever they went. It's absolutely amazing. Here they get beaten up in uh, Jerusalem. And, 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 and good gracious, do they want to get beaten up again on the other side? Why are they doing this? Because they were passionate for Christ. They weren't worried about getting beaten up all over again. And so they wanted to tell as many people as possible about Christ. They wanted as many people as possible to come to know Christ as Savior and as Lord. Warren Worsby says, our task is to take as many as possible with us to glory. I was a disciple when I was I was um, a young Christian 
after a while, initially, uh, nobody discipled me. I, I wasn't sure what I was doing and what I should be doing. And, 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 and eventually, we were disciple and like, oh, is that what I'm supposed to do? And God put a passion in my heart to do it. And, um, and that has been my motto. Uh, Warren Worsby's words um, out of my mouth. I want to take as many people to glory as possible. And I trust that you do as well. We can't hoard our salvation. We can't hold on to it and say, I've got a ticket to heaven. Blow the rest. But we need to reach out and uh, make known what God has done for us. I, uh, just a few years ago when I was a student, I took a holiday job at the OK Bazaar. And um, I, was, I was working in a little section with um, two other ladies. I think we were selling shirts and ties and whatever. And uh, I soon got chatting to them about Jesus. And uh, the one lady said, oh, I'm a Christian and I worship at this church. And, and then I spoke to the other lady and she said, I'm a Christian and I worship at this church, which was another church. And they came in and they said, oh. Neither of them knew that the other one was a Christian. They'd been working together for a year. How passionate is that? How passionate is that? A little further on, the tra- down the track, there was a huge persecution, and multitudes went to their deaths. Hundreds and thousands were put to death in the cruelest possible way. And uh, it didn't deter them. They went gladly to their deaths. And, uh, and those who tried to snuff out Christianity did just the opposite because the blood of the martyrs is the growth of the church. It was then and it still is today. And outsiders looked at them and they said, what? These guys are going to their deaths? It's got to be true. But look at the joy. Look at the peace as they go to their deaths. And the church multiplied and it grew passion for Jesus Christ passion for Jesus Christ they were fully persuaded that they were born again they were fully persuaded that they were going to be in glory they were fully persuaded that Jesus was the Messiah that he was the only savior of the world Jim Elliot and his team prayed about South America and they felt God saying to them that they should go to a lost tribe, a particular people that had not been reached for Jesus. They were a very fierce group and so uh, they would uh, fly their plane across their villages and they would drop off food and and other items uh, over a number of weeks and uh, towards the end they would put photographs of themselves so that they could identify them and uh, eventually they, they, they landed their plane nearby and the people from the village came out and they made contact with them and they gave them more gifts. And just when they thought they were going well and uh, things were working out so, so, so good for them in building these relationships, while they slept one night, they were taken out, they were all murdered. And Jim Elliott's wife was absolutely devastated she, when she worked through her grief at the end of that time, she determined to go back to that tribe and to win them to, to Jesus Christ. 
And she did that. She knew that she could have been killed, but she was willing to go in any case. And we're told that she won that tribe to Jesus. That's passion. The psalmist says, they that sow in tears will reap in joy. They that sow in tears will reap in joy. And I'm sure that many of you have known that as you've wept over folk who have been unsaved and you wept before the Lord and God has come out for you. Maybe years later, I uh, was brought up in a non-Christian home and had the privilege of leading my mom to Christ and often spoke to my dad over the years. And I remember crying um, and saying, but dad, can't you see it? Can't you see it? What can't you see? What can't you understand? And uh, I remember the one night, uh, half past 11 at night, I just went out and I just rode the streets of, of Queenstown and wept before the Lord. My dad was visiting with us. They were holidaying with us in Howick when we were planting a church. And he came in to my study and uh, he said, I want to do it. I said, Where, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? He said, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I said, Mom's put you up to this. He said, no, 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 no. He said, I'm not doing it for Mom, and I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for me. I know that, that I need Jesus in my life. Yes. And then he, we prayed, and he got up, 80, 80 years of age, got up, and he said, right, now I want to get baptized. So I said, yes, you're through. You're through, yes. And we baptized him um, the, the next week. And he lived for nearly another 20 years. Life was changed. Life was changed. People saw it. They couldn't believe the change. They say, you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Rubbish. Jesus can do that. Apostle Paul was uh, genuinely prepared to go to a lost eternity in exchange for the people of Israel. And it says this, Romans 9 and verse 2, I wish that I could be cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my own race. How about that? I, I ask myself, would, would I say, God, uh, I, I, take me to hell so that South Africa can be saved? Man, I'm, I'm not at that point yet. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'll get there. But such was his passion for his people. We need to be passionate. Persuaded, passionate, and then purposeful. Harold and, Marie, uh, Harold and, and uh, Cecil Peasley eventually went into Baptist ministry. I think some of you might know them. Twins. And um, they, they and their father used to go out on the Cape, Cape Flats and uh, preach over weekends on a Sunday. And they become well known. And they used to draw quite large crowds. that take their little caravan and make a little platform and uh, you know, have some PA system there. And they would take it in turns to preach. The father would preach first, and then the, the son, and then the other son. Hot uh, Sunday afternoon on this particular occasion. And um, I don't know if it was Harold or Cecil was telling me of the story that um, they had a, a, a biggish lunch. So the father preached, son preached. Now they could preach. They, I mean, they thundered. And um, so the, it was the third preach of the afternoon, and the father was dozing off in his chair. And uh, Cecil Harold, who was preaching that time, and he was trying to make an illustration to, to, to the colored folk and, and trying to show them 
how, uh, how dangerous it is to, to live in sin and, 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 and why they were there to warn them. And so he was saying, you know, if, 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 if so-and-so and I were walking uh, in the felt and, and, and I saw a snake and he didn't see it uh, and it was in, like slightly in the grass, I'd say, snake, watch out! And the father who was dozing jumped up. Where, where, where's the snake? Where's the snake? And, uh, of course, it's, it was pandemonium. They, they, the colored folk have got an amazing sense of, of humor. Um, but he made the point. And, and it makes the point that we would also, if um, we were walking with a non-Christian friend uh, and there was a snake, we would say, whoa, whoa, there's a snake. And why then are we so reticent in doing it when they're going to a lost eternity? We need to be purposeful. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verses 6 and 8 talks about this Thessalonian church, which is a model. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. And so they, they modeled themselves after Jesus. They modeled themselves after him who spent three years uh, f- finding the lost, Paul establishing churches, preaching the gospel, and in their suffering, they were also wonderful, wonderful witnesses. And you can be assured that the whole church was involved as they went out far and wide and how- as they shared the gospel. SBC is known, this church is known for its ministry to children and to to teenagers, right? I think um, probably even beyond beyond East London, and you're to be commended for, for that. And I know that some of you are involved in in that ministry, and and, and a lot of uh, families have come to know the Lord through through those ministries, and that's wonderful. But it'll also be wonderful when we become known as those who win adults to Christ, adult to adult, adult to adult. It can happen. It can happen. There's a church in Zurich uh, that was spoken about um, many, many years ago, in, and uh, there was an article in, in the Joy magazine, and we were preparing to go church planting in Switzerland, and this article caught my attention, uh, 2003, 2004, and um, it talked about this church, um, and, and it was... Um, relayed into the papers. The newspapers picked it up and, and, and people were coming to know the Lord every month in this church in Zurich, this evangelical charismatic church. And, and, and the newspaper article said, the event of the century, the Swiss are getting converted. Unheard of, unheard of. Only 4% of, of, of Swiss are, are, are Christian. 50% Catholic, 50% Protestant. And of those, many do not know Christ as Savior. They're very abrasive, very pushing you away when, um, when, when you uh, talk about Christ. Where are you from, South Africa? What do you do? I'm a, I'm a pastor. Oh, let you know you. Um, that, that is the general approach. And so something was happening in this church, right? 
This church was being salt and light. And people were coming to find out what was happening in this church because they saw the peace, they saw the joy, they saw the transformation, they heard of the miracles that were happening, and so they came and they were converted. We went to Switzerland 2004, 2011, just before we came back in our, in our, in our town, we were invited to a, a do, um, a Christian um, dinner, and, and there were things happening there. And I sat next to a, a pastor, he was a Swiss pastor, and I was telling him that we, we prayed for this church, and we prayed that it would be transported from what was happening in Zurich to, to other centers uh, throughout Switzerland. He said, I, I'm that pastor. He said, I can verify that, that that article is true. And I'm saying, wow, praise the Lord. And he said, I, in fact, went to Jer- uh, Jerusalem, uh, Geneva. And um, they actually even bought a cinema. And they were starting to fill the cinema in, in, in Geneva. Purposeful outreach. A purposeful outreach. Can it happen here? Yes, it can. When we all reach out. When we all reach out to our friends. Reach out in friendship. Reach out in love. Ray and Pat Bowler, an English couple from England, um, didn't want to know the gospel, and they um, became friends with Rudy and Panda, who are members of our church, very successful business people. And Rudy and Panda tried to win them, try to win their friendship and they had briars and watched rugby together and, and so on and they enjoyed each other's company but Ray and Pat when they talked about Jesus they st- and um, so they thought well let's bring them to our church then and, and, and they'll become convinced and uh, so Rudy said to me um, hey my friend my friends are coming to church it's taken a year and uh, Ray told me later man they just kept going. Come to our church. Come to our church. Come to. So we said, okay, we're coming. We get them off their backs. You know, we said, ah, it's not for us. So they came, and um, Rudy and Panda said, will you follow them up? Yeah, we, we followed them up. Led her to the Lord. Two weeks later, I felt the Lord saying, go and speak to Ray. I said, yeah, I had a cold reception there last time. Saturday morning, we led him to the Lord. Where would they have be, be today without... Rudy and Panda, befriending them and not giving up, purposefully, purposefully reaching out to them in love. I was coming out the meeting, um, Sunday evening meeting a couple of months ago, and um, I was looking across, turned around and looked across, um, and I looked at this guy and I said, I know you. And he looked at me and he said, I know you. It's nice to be recognized after 48 years, isn't it? Six, 46 years or whatever it is. Felt quite good about that. Like, um, we'd been to school together. It's like, and we got talking about school and what we were doing here and, and, and so on. And, um, and Tony said, I came to know the Lord through you. I said, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> It was amazing. And I thought about it, and like, what, what did I do, you know? I, I just didn't quite ask him, because I didn't lead him personally. 
And uh, I, I remember back in my trick, I started befriending him, praying for him, asked him to come to our, to our youth and, and so on. He's, he's got his shop over here, the chemist shop, Tony Hakesmith, up the road, up the road here. I, I think some of you know him. Used to be here in, in the church. Isn't it going to be amazing one day when we get to glory and people say, I came to know the Lord through you. I came to know the Lord through you. Hope, hopefully we'll have wonderful surprises in glory one day. Hey? Isn't that going to be amazing? So often people don't know. So often people don't know. And we, we must never be put off when we don't see our prayers being answered straight away. So how do we become purposeful in reaching out? We start by loving people. If we don't have a love for those who are not persuaded like we are about Jesus, we need to ask God to give us a love for them. We need to pray for opportunities to share our testimony and to share the good news. A testimony is potent, it's powerful. I've often shared the gospel with people and they've argued so much and God stops me during those times. Share your testimony. They don't argue. They just listen. You can't take your testimony away. What God has done in your heart, they can't take away. Expect God to lead you to people in whose lives he has begun. It's happened to me lately, and I've been saying, God, prepare hearts, and that I will encounter people and, um, and lead them to salvation. And um, some have been here this morning. They sat here this morning and we were praying for some of their needs and um, physically God is beginning to, to do amazing things in their lives. Offer to pray for people in their sickness and in their need. Right, so the, our last one, and we must land, is positive. So we need to be persuaded, we need to be passionate, we need to be purposeful, but we need to be positive. As well, Jesus was the most positive, dynamic person to ever live on this planet, right? And he drew people to himself. And he reached out to people. His detractors, his enemies said uh, of him, paid him the greatest compliment when they said, he's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Wow, wonderful. That's what he came for. He came for the lost. Came for the lost. And the more we become like Jesus the more people will be attracted to us. And um, the more they will see Jesus in us, the love, the joy, the peace. And the, the more we'll earn the right to share the good news with them and to pray for them. We need to do that. Elaine taught in Switzerland in a school, a big school of 2,100, mainly non-Christians, quite... Um, Abrasive when they heard that she should come from South Africa to come and church plant, like <laughs> um, these non Christians just pulled pull back. Took a while for her to to um, to convey that 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 she was normal and that uh, that she had something that they didn't have. And anyway, down the track, um, a French lady came to her and said, um, "Would you pray for my daughter?" Um, they've diagnosed the cancer in her throat and she's now going to have the cancer removed in, in the next operation. And Elaine prayed for her. She said, oh, no, no, don't, don't pray for healing. 
just, just, just pray for me to be strong. Because it was fate accomplished. It was end of the road and it was cancer. And Elaine said, yeah, no, I'll pray for you to be strong. But I'll also pray for healing. And she did. And um, the lady was very embarrassed. And um, she thought, you know, Elaine would pray alone at home and, and so on. And was you know, embarrassed to see if anybody else was looking. And um, God healed. God healed. God healed. And we had the family to a meal and lovely children. And we're trusting that, that they're on the way. And they'll never forget God's goodness to us. God can do that as we put out our faith. People will come to us in their time of need. And we can pray for them. And we can entrust that to God. So to become positive, we need to get rid of all the roadblocks in our lives. Fear is a big one, right? Self-centeredness, lack of concern for the lost, lost opportunities, lethargy, being too busy, lack of love. Which of those are hindering us from reaching out in love to those who are going to a lost eternity? Let's bring it before God now as we close and say, Lord, forgive me for that. Take away my fear. Come and fill me with your spirit. Because that's what we need. We need to be filled with the spirit. The early church were powerless before that. And there are so many Christians who are powerless today. I'm sure the South African churches are doing better than those surveyed in, in America. And I'm sure this church is doing far better as well. But it is my passion for, for you to up the tempo, to say, God, I've got one life to give. I want to take as many to glory as possible. Would you, would you, would you write that on your heart? Would you write that on your heart? And the, Jesus said um, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and your and your neighbor as yourself. And the greatest love we can give them is the greatest miracle that they can ever experience. And that's the miracle of salvation. And I said this morning that often we hear people say, I'm a Christian, and we take that, okay, that's fine, they're a Christian. But 80% will say, I'm a Christian, because they're not Hindu and they're not Muslim. And so they'll say, they're, but they're not born again. They don't have assurance of salvation and I've come across quite a few people in my counseling just recently. And they, they've been in churches and they've come here, been in churches for ages. And they, they haven't got eternal salvation in their heart. No assurance. And we've prayed with them and they are coming into this church. And folks, God's burdening our hearts in these last days. We cannot waste any time and we need to ask God to give us a burden for for our friends again for our, our work colleagues so let's do that right now shall we our God our Father we thank you that our Lord Jesus Christ's greatest passion was to come and rescue the lost and his great passion today is still the same thank you that you're still in the saving business 
We bless you, Lord. We thank you for rescuing us. There was a time in my life when I didn't want to know God. I didn't even think that God was real. But you broke into my heart. And thank you that you've broken my heart for the lost. And I pray that you'll break our hearts for the lost today. That it wouldn't just be for a moment in time, but that it would be for a lifetime that we would take as many to glory as possible. Touch our friends, we pray, our business colleagues. We pray that they will see Jesus in us and that we will earn the right for them to ask questions and to speak about Christ in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Bless you. Have a good day.